Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of the Brand Builder Show. Today's episode is going to be about all things finances, which might not sound too sexy, but we are going to make it our mission to make it very sexy for you today. Uh, to join me to talk about this topic, I've got none other than Nathan Hirsch. Nate, welcome to the show. Ben, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, no, it's the, the pleasure is mine. Uh, for those very few people out there that don't know uh, who you are and haven't heard your story, uh, tell us a bit about yourself, the journey of entrepreneurship for you, catch us up to sort of where you are today. Yeah, sure. So I've, I'm a longtime entrepreneur. I've never had a, a real job. I'm 33 now, uh, but I started selling textbooks when, when I was in college. And that kind of led to me opening up an Amazon account and kind of experimenting what different products I could sell on Amazon. And this is back in 2008, 2009, before Amazon was cool, before everyone else was doing it. Uh, my business partner, Connor, and I, we were selling millions of dollars of baby products uh, on Amazon. We, we got in and we got out uh, pretty early. We, we were drop shipping before we even knew it was called drop shipping. And, <laughs> yeah. and we kind of, we leveraged that into uh, a hiring platform called FreeUp. And, and the reason being that we were hiring college kids and they were very unreliable. And then we discovered that the VA world and got really good at virtual assistants and freelancers and, and built our Amazon business with it. And then we started offering these same e-commerce freelancers to other Amazon sellers and, and turned that into the, the FreeUp marketplace. And, and, and it was kind of fun. FreeUp was our first chance to grow our own brand. I know this is the, the brand building podcast. Like with Amazon, we were kind of just dependent on Amazon listing products. There wasn't really PPC. So it was kind of like listing products and crossing your fingers and learning a little bit about keywords. Whereas with FreeUp, it was building our website and going on podcasts and building a personal brand and SEO and all the stuff that, that goes with it. So we learned a lot. We scaled that business for four years before being acquired at the end of 2019, which is a, a whole nother story we can dive into uh, mm -hmm. if you want. And from there, the original plan was to take a year off and, and travel the world. But uh, of course, the pandemic hit. So we were kind of stuck at home. And we launched a, a course called Outsource School, which we still run. It's our, our unique hiring process that we use to, to scale our businesses. But that we spent a lot of time just brainstorming what we want to do next. I mean, we love building businesses. We want to do something outside of the, the VA freelancer space, but we love the e-commerce space. All things being even, we'd love to stay in it. So we, we had the idea to, to start a bookkeeping service called Ecom Balance. Uh, we love financials. We love unsexy businesses that have uh, big markets that, that kind of apply to everyone and help a lot of businesses. And it's kind of the, the core of everything. If you can't hire or you don't understand finances, you're, you're not going to be a successful entrepreneur. So we interviewed 200 plus e-commerce sellers, learned a lot about competitors and pain points and what people like when they don't like. Uh, we built the team here in Colorado of really high level e-commerce bookkeepers and did a bait around a clients and use that to perfect our processes. And now we're up and running and, and hopefully scaling this thing. So that's kind of the, the short, long version of how mm. I went from textbooks to dropshipping baby products to, to free up to outsource school that econ balance. Yeah, shoot. I feel like I've got 25 questions in response, but we'll try and uh, <laughs> we'll try and get through them methodically. Definitely would be keen to hear about those pain points that uh, you discovered when starting Econ Balance, which we'll get to. And definitely keen to hear about the exit of uh, FreeUp because I think any entrepreneur, especially in the e-commerce game the last couple of years, the topic of exiting a business is so popular now that everybody wants to hear about exit stories. So just briefly touch on that. But also quickly, before we do get into that, one of the things that I 
I find interesting from what you said is you started this business in your uni dorm with Connor and you've just started Econ Balance with Connor. You've started several businesses with him. What are you guys doing? Because they say, you know, the only ship that doesn't sail is the partnership, right? You know, that's what I've heard before. And uh, working with a business partner can be a challenge, but you guys are clearly doing it successfully. How are you making it work? Yeah, it's a great question. So, I mean, Funny story about Connor. He, he, I actually started the Amazon business before him and I was hiring college kids, like I said, and most college kids were not reliable. The one college kid that was reliable was Connor and he was in my business law class and he sent me a Facebook message one day saying, Hey, I, I need a job. I don't know. I saw that you do something online. Are you hiring? And I didn't even interview him. I, I just hired him. And on the first day, he sent me a, a message saying, hey, by the way, I don't have a car. Can you come pick me up? And I'm like, who is this guy? Like, why, why would I do that? For some reason, I did. And on those car rides back and forth from the campus to my frat house that I lived in, we just had a lot of business conversations. We got to know each other. We learned we had the same values, the same goals, the same aspirations. Yeah. but a, a very different skill set. And, and I eventually made him the partner in my Amazon business. So, I mean, I agree with everything you said. Partnerships can be scary. I, I like you and a lot of people listening, have had partnerships that, that didn't work out. And I, Connor and I, we work very well together. We have very, very different personalities. I'm a little bit more uh, rah-rah and fast and, and all in. And he's much more calm, cool, and collective and, um, the, and, and the nice guy there. And He's also very good at stuff I'm not good at, like building websites and SEO and a lot of the back-end marketing. I'm a little bit more of the face and processes and, and building really good customer service systems. So we complement each other very well, but we have the same values. We believe in taking care of our team, taking care of our clients, um, building businesses that, that are scalable and, and run without us. Um, a lot of times if you and your business partner have different goals, like if one person's trying to sell it or, or cash out and the other person's trying to grow it, um, it, it can really go against what you guys are, are trying to build together. So we have the same values, but very different skill sets. And I think that's what makes us work well together. Yeah, I think every time I've seen an example of how it's worked well, there is definitely those complementary skill sets, uh, character traits. And so uh, I think there's a real secret in that for, for making it work successfully. So no, that's really good. Uh, talk to us a little bit about free up then briefly before we do get into the world of finances, because I think it does have a big part to play in the story because, you know, you guys, you, you wrote a, a blog article recently that I uh, read and or maybe Connor wrote it. And it was talking about how, you know, the ability to sell free up was only really there because of your financial practices so before we do get into finances and, and that kind of uh you know topic talk to us about free up what was the you know selling a business process like was it uh stressful enjoyable how did you find that kind of end stage yeah i mean it was the most stressful six months of my life by by yeah. far and then that's with clean immaculate books i mean one of the things we did great was we hired a bookkeeper from day one before we were even profitable so that the month would end within 10 days of the month being over. We'd get a report. We'd review it together. We, we'd have that monthly meeting that you read the, about in the yeah. blog article. And we'd make real decisions based on what the numbers were telling us. And that was a big part of scaling, but also a big part of passing due diligence. One second. Yeah, no, right. So good, man. <clears throat> so we didn't go into 2019 saying, hey, we're going to unload this business by the end of the year. We build our businesses to be sellable in the sense that they run without us. Hopefully they're scaling and they're profitable and they're cash flow positive. Um, 
But about halfway through the year, we got mess. We got comp- contacted by one of our clients, Mark Hargrove and David Martin from the Hoth, saying, "Hey, we love the freelance space. We buy a lot of businesses. We don't want to start it from scratch. Would you guys be interested in being acquired?" And so at that point, we we're just hearing them out, just like we would any business opportunity. <coughs> They asked us uh, some basic questions about the business, about our numbers, but what really helped us is we knew our numbers inside mm-hmm. and out. We knew everything yeah. going back four years and that built a lot of trust early on because the next step was us actually sending them our numbers and everything we told them on the phone matched exactly what was in our, our zero account, our, our documents, our reports, and, and that helped build trust. Now, at the same time, and this is a, a big tip for anyone going to sell their business, we were doing due diligence on them just like they were doing due diligence on us. So they were sending us over 20 questions every other day, it seemed like, and we were responding quickly. They told us that we were some of the fastest people to respond because we had all this data. We had all this information. We didn't have to go pull it. At the same time, we would respond back with 20 questions. We want to know everything about them, the businesses they bought in the past, success, failure, how they treat people, what their plans are for free up. We didn't want to sell it to someone who's going to run into the ground or hurt our reputation or hurt our team or anything like that. And we were super impressed. Now, does that mean we agree with every business decision down the line? No, we, you know that going in. If you're going to sell your company, people are going to have the, their own decisions. And I do think they've done a great job. But it does mean that you want to sell to people that are high integrity, high value. The last thing you want to do is have them blow up your business or end up in a lawsuit or anything along those lines. And you never really know. I mean, we were crossing our fingers and hoping after we signed the the paper that, that everything we had found out about them was true. But they honored their word outside of paying us everything. They've helped us promote econ balance just to be nice. We've kind of turned to them as mentors and and look up to them. So the the process was long. It it took six months. Um, It wasn't their fault. It wasn't our fault. Lawyers take forever. I mean, for for us, it's the biggest moment of our life. For the lawyers, it's just another Tuesday and they have other clients and other things going on. So that dragged it out. Um, But obviously, we're we're happy that that it went through and we couldn't be happier to, to who we sold it to yeah that's awesome man exciting um and then the kind of exit has happened is the temptation then just to kind of like run off and uh never work again live on a beach for the rest of your life so i i think the way i work definitely changed i mean i definitely work more like nine to five normal business hours taking a day off whenever i want uh making sure i'm not doing podcasts at night or anything like that so i definitely had a different mindset in life and it allowed me to 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 really just have the freedom to to only do things i want to do and really say no to everything else um at the same time we enjoy building businesses i mean our goal is to build econ balance bigger than we did free up. We're going to go about it a little bit differently. Um, like I said, kind of valuing our time even more than, than we did at free up. Um, but yeah, I don't think we were ready to retire. And and kind of like I said, the, the original plan was to take a good amount of time off. But if you're stuck at home, you can only watch so much Netflix and read so many books before you're, you're itching to do something, you know? Yeah, it's true. That's very true. No, good, good stuff. Okay, well, let's get into the... Um the finance side of things then because i mean there's so much that we could talk about and processes and outsourcing and, and structuring and uh but finance is obviously a, a massive part of your journey and your growth and now a, a part of your current journey with econ balance 
we talked about that article that talked about the monthly meetings that you would have. Can you talk to us a bit about some of the, the key processes and uh, financial habits that, that you developed? It was alluded to in that article, but maybe we could draw out on that a bit. Some of the things that you did on a regular basis that really you know, built financial strength into your business. Yeah. So here's kind of what we learned from our Amazon business. So our Amazon business, we, we started off not doing any books and we would just dump it on our accountant at the end of the year. And that's what a lot of people do. And not only are our accountants really not meant for just doing lots of bookkeeping, they're definitely not meant for putting in a way to display it to you. They're trying to do it to file taxes. And it's tough to make decisions on any numbers if you're only doing your books at the end of each year. So that was a big mistake. We then transitioned into doing the books ourselves, which I would argue now is a bad idea for, for two reasons. One, it's just not a good use of your time. Uh, most people, most entrepreneurs should be spending their time growing and, and scaling the business, launching new brands, whatever it is, and then actually doing the books. And second, me included, doing most entrepreneurs nine out of 10 just aren't good at doing bookkeeping and any time they spend doing bookkeeping just has to get redone down the line by someone who actually knows what they're doing so those were some mistakes i learned from my amazon business and when we started free up we, we set out to not make those mistakes again so day one we hired a bookkeeper it was an important role we spent a lot of time making sure that we hired the right one and every time the month would end within 10 days of the month within 10 days of the month being over we would get a report income statement balance sheet cash flow and we had a meeting on our calendar connor and i every single month and we would go through the reports and this is early on in the business before we're, we're really making money so most of the reports is just expenses and different types of expenses and trends that are going up and down but you're making decisions because you're comparing that report to the month before. Eventually, you're comparing that report to the same month last year, and you're seeing how your business is doing. Are your margins going up? Are your expenses going up faster than revenue? Are you having a, a busy summer or a slow summer compared to last year? These are decisions that you can, or these are numbers, things that you can see and actually make decisions on instead of just flying blind and guessing or, or just going by how much money gets deposited into your bank account. That's not a, a great way to make decisions. So that allowed us to make really good decisions. It also allowed us to not stress at the end of the year when tax season came because we already had clean books ready to go. It also helped us sell the business and pass due diligence. So there's a lot of benefits to having clean books every single month. And if you're working with a firm that's only doing books once a quarter or they're waiting to the end of the year, or maybe they're doing your books, but then they get caught up in busy season and, and they fall behind, that's a bad system to have set up. You want it to be automatic. The month ends within 10 days, you get the reports and there's a meeting on your calendar with your business partner, your husband, your wife, your team leaders, whoever it is to go through the numbers and make real decisions based on what the numbers are telling you. Yeah, that's good. What would you say to someone that says that's great, but I'm a new business. I've got all these other expenses and now you're expecting me to pay a few hundred bucks a month for bookkeeping as well. Yeah, I mean, if you're a serious entrepreneur, you, you got to do it. It's a, a necessity. It's like having an accountant. It's like having a lawyer. Like these are things you have to have when you're running a business. And it's going to cost you way more money if you're making decisions based on gut and instinct rather than what the numbers are telling you. And there, there are creative ways around it, right? Like you don't have to hire a bookkeeping service. Like our monthly minimum is $250 a month. So maybe you can't afford $250 a month, but maybe there's some other service that's $100 a month that you can 
can start with yeah. and and maybe they're perfect for a small business and and eventually you upgrade like you can start small and and switch service providers down the line but bottom line you shouldn't be doing your own bookkeeping and it's something that has to be getting done every single month yeah yeah, that's uh, very reasonable. Can you can you give us some examples of some maybe some practical examples when you get this report each month? What are some of the things that you're looking for? What are some of the decisions you're making because of the data you're seeing? Either recent examples from Econ Balance or you know from way back when when it was you know uh, earlier on. Just yeah, some, to help really drive it home for people. Yeah. So what we really do is we start with the income statement and we really go mm -hmm. from the top down. So the first thing you want to look at is sales. So for free up, and this is different for an econ business, but it was fixed price projects versus hourly projects. And we would see, hey, which one's going up? Which one's going down? Is one growing faster than the other? If you're an Amazon business, you might see different marketplaces and say, oh, Amazon Japan is doing way better than it was last month. Or, or, or maybe it skews and you have one product that's drastically outselling it because of a new PPC strategy. So you're looking at the top line. But then you're also looking at that those gross margins. This is something that Connor and I were, were constantly looking at, at at free up. Were we making 20%? Were we making 15%? If the gross margins were, were going too low, that might be a, a sign that you need to figure out how to increase prices or decrease costs at some point to just make that sustainable. The other thing we look at is hiring strategy. <clears throat> you don't want to wake up one day and be like, I got to hire this person. You want to plan out your hiring and everyone has a different budget. Maybe you look at it and your expenses are, have been going up and you can't afford to hire that person. Or maybe it's the opposite and you're like, man, we can really start thinking about hiring that full-time SEO person that we talked about a few months ago. So those are some random examples, but we, we go through that top to bottom. Uh, with free up, the balance sheet wasn't as important because it's a very cash flow, cash up front type business. But with a, an e-commerce business, that's something you definitely want to go through. You want to know mm. what, what your inventory situation looks like, how your assets and liabilities are looking. Um, and depending on your business, like we have one client who projects out cash flow 16 weeks in advance because summer is a very slow month for them. Their business is very seasonal. So that's something to look at so you know how much cash is going to be in your bank account to make sure that you can meet payroll and, and make any adjustments. I mean, God forbid you have to cut back someone's hours or, or whatever it is. These are things that you want to be able to plan for. Um, same thing if you need to get a loan or get some kind of cash up front, you have to be able to plan that stuff out. Yeah, for sure, man. And cash flow is such a big thing. You mentioned it there, and I wonder if maybe this is a question for someone that's maybe in the trenches more with bookkeeping, um, but in terms of like cash flow protocols, do you guys have anything that you use or give to clients? Because I think obviously bookkeeping is one thing. Cash flow, especially with e-commerce, especially with Amazon, because your settlements are, uh, you know, they're not a gross amount, they're a net amount. You've got different kind of fees coming in from different places. You've got your inventory to pay at different stages, deposits, balances you know it's, it's so like you say free up i imagine was you know cash coming in cash coming out e-commerce there's things coming in and out at all different times what's the solution there yeah i mean the solution is to be on top of your cash i i read somewhere that a lot of e-commerce businesses go out of business not because they're not profitable because they just run out of cash and especially mm. if you're you're really building a brand you might work with some retailers that are on net 90 or net 120 mm. terms i know i'm friends with the people over at crossnet and and they do a lot on shopify but they also work with a lot of uh, a brand store or uh, big box stores mm. and and these are factors and they you also have to meet payroll and all of that so 
we, we do offer a cash flow projection service. Our, our core service is that monthly bookkeeping service, but we've got some different add-ons uh, for people that, that are interested in that. And it's something you just got to be on top of. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, talk to us a bit about Econ Balance then. You started that, was it six months ago now? Somewhere yeah, towards the end of, of last year. Yeah, how's it going? Uh, it's going great. It's a, It's been a, a lot of fun. It, it's been cool to, to kind of see the projection. So I kind of mentioned we did a, we did it about. We interviewed about 200 e-commerce sellers. We we picked the name of a business, which is one of my least favorite things to do. But we did that. We got <laughs> yeah. our website up. Uh, all of that. We started hiring. I mean, the first hire is key, since Connor and I are not bookkeepers. So we spent a lot of time finding a controller here in Colorado who has e-commerce experience. Obviously, a ton of bookkeeping experience. She, her name's Shelia. She's been in the space for 20 plus years. So. She's done a fantastic job so far. And then we really built a, a team around her of both U.S. and non-U.S. bookkeepers. We have a team in Colorado. We have a team in, in, in the Philippines. The team in the Philippines are not virtual assistants. They're high-level CPA equivalents with a ton of bookkeeping experience. And by having that hybrid it allows us to A, be efficient, but also B, have very fair pricing. We're not trying to be the cheapest. We're not trying to be the most expensive. We want a really high level service at a very fair price. And that allows us to put a US person and a non-US person on every account. So we built that out. We launched a beta round, giving out two free months to uh, to a bunch of clients. I think we had 35 people in our beta round. And they were super patient with us. We were very appreciative of the, those beta people as we kind of figured out everything from, from pricing to integrating clients to having kickoff calls to the, the catch up and clean up work to actually doing the monthly books. <clears throat> and once we got done with those beta rounds, we hired a few more people, had some meetings, fixed up the processes, and then turned on marketing, which is why I'm on podcast now to, to try to ramp this up. So that's kind of the point we're at now. We're definitely early. I, I don't think we're slow. I don't think we're fast. I think we're somewhere in the middle. I, I tend to be a pretty quick person who wants to get stuff done and provide a great experience and move as quick as possible. I'm not sure we're, we're there yet, although I, I would put our bookkeeping team against anyone out there. Um, but if people listening are, are interested in a high quality service, it can still bear with us as we go through some early growing pain in year one well, i think we're the perfect solution out there yeah and it's a very unique type of service because when you're dealing with people's finances obviously it's uh, such an important part it's not you're not just building like some keyword research tool or inventory tool. like this is the actual bookkeeping right so it's uh, i can imagine it's stressful making sure you get it all right yeah, I mean, there's stress to an extent. I, I think free up is a little bit more stressful. I mean, the thing about the thing really? about um, bookkeeping is a. I think we have a great team that, that knows bookkeeping very well, so I'm less concerned about making issues. Um, it's also less of like a, a 24 hour affair. Like our team works pretty normal business hours within reason. Um, free up like a VA could quit on weekends or something like that. There's very few like red f or fires that come up on like weekends or nights when it comes to bookkeeping. Obviously that depends on, on us doing a really good job and, and we have high level support and great communication and keeping clients updated to prevent those things. But it, it's been fun kind of learning a new industry. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What, what were the pain points in the industry that you saw? Because obviously bookkeeping is bookkeeping. There's a million <coughs> bookkeepers out there uh, that people could hire. What were the specific pain points that you guys, you guys are astute entrepreneurs. And so you obviously see a gap in the market. What were those things that you saw weren't being delivered on? 
Yeah, so a lot of times people will A, hire a virtual assistant that knows bookkeeping, but the entrepreneur doesn't know bookkeeping. So you're kind of managing a skill that you don't really know and it's tough to to make that happen at a high level. Another thing that we saw is people hiring bookkeepers that don't understand e-commerce and there's a large learning curve there and, and and it's tough or bookkeepers that only speak bookkeeping. I think one of the unique perspectives that we have is we're entrepreneurs first. We're e-commerce yeah. sellers first. We speak the language. We know what information needs to be present presented. We have great bookkeepers that know their craft very well, but we can bridge that gap. So the average person who doesn't love bookkeeping as much as our bookkeepers do can understand what's going on and, and make decisions. A lot of people will also hire CPAs who are much more focused on the tax side than the bookkeeping side because there's a way to do books correctly and pay the right taxes at the end of the year while also not displaying it in a way that people can make monthly decisions on and having that automatic thing like we talked about where the month ends and then you're able to have those meetings every single month. There's also very specific e-commerce nuances like Amazon reports and using the right tools to get data into QuickBooks. A lot of bookkeepers will just take the money deposited into the checking account as the top line revenue when we both know that that's not the case. And then cost of goods and inventory has its own challenges when it comes to e-commerce. Stuff like cost of goods averaging or or being able to use stuff like uh, seller board to to get inventory information, that becomes key and why it's so important for bookkeepers to have e-commerce experience. And kind of the last feedback we got is there's a lot of mom and pop bookkeeping firms out there that do a very good job but struggle with scaling. They're they're not good at hiring. They're not good at processes. They're good to a certain point, but then they get too many clients. And I I think that's something that that we want to avoid and that we're very cautious of just because we heard a lot of feedback. On paper, we're good at hiring. We're good at processes. We're good at at building a business like an entrepreneur. We still have to execute and prove it. And and entrepreneurship can be very humbling, but that's something we're very focused on that, that, that we heard from our feedback that a lot of other places struggle with. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. No, that's good. You um you know, you mentioned there about a lot of the challenges that people face. Um obviously there's challenges in growing a business. Just last one on ecom balance before we get into some ecom specific financials. Um are, are you now looking at this as something to build to sell like you did with free up or is this something you're going to have forever? Everyone always asked me that. So again, we didn't go into 2019 thinking we were going to sell free up and we have no, we have no plan to sell Ecom Balance. So we definitely don't build businesses where we're like, we're building this and in two years we're going to sell it. We build businesses that are sellable in the sense that they have a good people, good processes. I could go on vacation for two weeks. Uh, maybe not now just because we're in the first six months of the business, <laughs> but within the, the next few months, like that's very, very doable. Um, and so, yeah, sure. If the right opportunity comes up with the right buyer, are we going to listen to it? Yes, but that's not our focus. Our focus is to be the best e-commerce bookkeeping service out there and hopefully grow this bigger than, than free up. We want to grow this to over a thousand customers. More importantly, we want great feedback across the board. I'm kind of like you. It kills me inside to, to have any kind of bad client or customer experience. And I want to do everything possible to avoid that. Or if the mistake happens, which does happen in startups, you, you make it right quickly and you make it up to the client and you hook them up with extra services or whatever. Um, so th- that's kind of my focus right now. And the, the rest will, will take care of itself. Sounds awesome, man. Sounds awesome. Okay, let's finish out then with just a few thoughts on uh, e-commerce for uh, uh, 
uh, e-commerce, sorry, uh, financials for e-commerce entrepreneurs, the people that are listening now that are selling on Amazon, selling on Shopify, building a brand, and they just don't know much about financials. You talked about the reports you look at each month with Connor. What are some of the metrics that sellers should be looking at every single month to get a real good handle on how their business is performing? Yeah, it's a, it's a loaded question. <laughs> what I'll say off of that is when we once we do any kind of catch up or cleanup work, and once we we actually have the the report ready to go, we're gonna go through it with you, and it can be very different depending on what your business are, what your business is. If you're an Amazon wholesaler, that's gonna be way different than if you're a private label seller that's selling on Shopify and Amazon, and maybe some different Amazon marketplaces. You might have five SKUs, and only one of them is profitable, and this is stuff that you have to understand. So. What we want to do is we want to, first of all, get the books caught up and get them to a good point, but then be able to go through it with you. And we don't, our goal is to not have to have like calls with you every single month. Most people don't want to talk to their bookkeepers every single month. We're there if needed, but our mentality is if we can't put data in an, a way that you can easily understand without having to talk to us every single time, then then we're doing something wrong. And, and that's something that we take very seriously. And and there's some upfront learning, like we have a meeting today where we're going through our, our uh, chart of accounts with a client because one thing we're very good at is creating charts of accounts that break down things in the proper way and again, are, are very easy to understand but we want to go through it with it. So I know that kind of avoids your question, but every business is a little bit different with, with what, what's important to your business and what's not. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's fine. And that gives me an opportunity to ask about that because chart of accounts is very, very important. I agree. Having that clarity on your profit and loss to see where the money's going is so key without literally breaking it down line by line. Can you give us some thoughts on that in terms of how you structure it? Yeah, it's a fine balance. Like you don't want an income statement that's 53 pages long. At the same time, you don't want it just to be expenses and everything kind of Mm. goes in there. So it's kind of that that in-between where you've got different line items. Those line items are actually helpful. You actually know, hey, this is going to US payroll. This is going to non-US contractors. This is going to PPC ads, whatever it is. Um, And being able to do that well, I I think is a a very unique skill set that not all bookkeepers do. Again, you can do bookkeeping in a way that has you file the right amount of taxes while not actually displaying things in a way for you to understand. And and Shell, our controller, spends a lot of time with every bookkeeper we hire, teaching them the right way to do charts of accounts so it's unified across the board. You might have a different business that that might have a line that another business doesn't, but it's the same numbers, the same, um, like it might be 504 down to 706 like it's the same numbers across the board so that everything everyone knows what's going on yeah that's great that's great um aside from what you've already mentioned obviously what are the biggest mistakes that you see e-commerce sellers making with their finances um i mean i think one of them is just doing the books themselves or you talked about Another one of them is not using a connection tool. So if you're just getting Amazon reports and trying to put them in QuickBooks, um, that that can be a disaster. We use a tool called A2X yeah. that makes it very simple to, to pull data in there. There's some other tools as well that we've tested, but we found that um, A2X is the best. And how you do cost of goods and making sure you're on an accrual basis. Uh, a lot of sellers will buy a lot of inventory in January and that'll show up as a $50,000 expense in January, but it's not, but then your, your, your January is going to show a huge loss. 
February and March are, are going to show big profits doesn't really tell you anything. So being able to cost of goods, average it out and be able to have your books on a cruel basis, not only helps you make better decisions, but it's going to help you get a better multiple when you go to sell your business. Yeah, definitely. Which leads really well into my last question for you. Accrual uh, accounting is obviously one of the big keys. Are there any other processes or things, principles, uh, e-commerce sellers should have in place if they want to maximize the value of their business? Yeah, I mean, accrual accounting is important using the right software like A2X to, to connect Amazon or Shopify to QuickBooks. That's very important. Uh, having the right chart accounts and the right ways to, to do inventory is very important, making sure that you're using cost of goods averaging um, or that you actually know what your inventory costs are. Um, those are very important, especially if it comes to the sale, but also to, to just make important decisions each month. Yeah. Do you make it a habit of updating your uh, the inventory costs each time there's a new inventory order? So for to account for variable shipping costs, etc.? Yeah, so there, there's a few different ways we can do it depending on what the business is and what current setup people have for inventory. The easiest way by far is just cost of goods averaging, but there, there's other people that are very on top of what their inventory costs are and, and they can just provide us that data to put in there. Yeah. Awesome, man. Awesome. So yeah, it sounds like this is going to be a great solution for e-commerce sellers that are looking to get a real good, clear idea of how they're performing financially. Uh, what's the best way if people do want to find out more about e-com balance? Where can they go? Uh, what's the service you guys offer? Give us a bit of a pitch. Yeah, so feel free to connect with me on social media, Nathan Hirsch on any social media channel. Um, go to econbalance.com, mention this podcast and get two free months of bookkeeping. Our core service is that monthly bookkeeping. We charge you on the first of the month. You get your books between the 10th and the 15th every single month. Uh, we, we can help with any catch-up and cleanup work. We can help with some additional add-on services like cash flow projections, sales tax, stuff like that. But our core service is that, that monthly bookkeeping. Yeah, amazing. Well, we'll make sure there's links in the show notes, uh, in the description, so people can easily find you guys as well. Check out all the services you offer and get their finances in a healthy state. Uh, Nathan, it's been a pleasure to have you on, and uh, we're wishing you all the best for Econ Balance. Thanks, Ben. Have a great rest of the day. Awesome. Great, guys. Thanks for joining us on this episode today. Uh, hopefully, you got plenty of value from that. Definitely check out Econ Balance, and uh, we'll see you in the next episode real soon.